The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today's a big thrill for me because we're getting to interview Dr. Mark Goulston, a former classmate of mine, who you're going to hear all of the great things he's doing. And we have a similar hero in mind that you're going to hear about also. And rather than me butcher the introduction, I'm going to let my friend Dr. Mark Goulston introduce himself to our Different Brains audience. Mark, welcome. Well, thank you, Hacky. Uh, thank you for having me on. And to your audience, thank you for tuning in. And Hacky and I hope this will be worth your time and maybe give you some inspiration, maybe some tips, maybe even a little hope, because that's what Hacky and I are both about. Um, so a little of my background, uh, Hacky and I attended Boston University School of Medicine. And he was a six-year student, which means he got a bachelor's degree and a medical degree in six years. And I was a six-year medical student because I dropped out of medical school twice. I didn't drop out to see the world. I dropped out because I, I think I had untreated depression. I mean, I did have nice jobs, uh, kind of blue collar jobs that I missed when I dropped out. And so what happened is I went for a couple of years and then maybe you can relate to this. I was highlighting all my books in yellow, but I couldn't hold on to the information. I would read it, but I couldn't hold on to it. And so I took a leave of absence. Uh, for a year. And then I came back and my mind was sort of working. And then in oh, about six months, it happened all over again. And so I asked for another leave of absence because I was passing my courses. And at that time, the school wanted uh, me to withdraw, which is a nice way of saying they, they, they were done with me. And if I was them, I would have been done with me, I think, uh, because they lose money when someone takes time off, and I was asking for time off for the second time. And so I met with the head of the school, a uh, good guy, but you know, he, he has to watch the financial uh, uh, status of the school. And I met with him, which I didn't remember, because I was pretty low. And then I got a call from our mutual hero, Dean William McNary, we called him Mac. He had a thick Irish Catholic accent from Boston. And he called me, and he uh, and I remember getting on the phone, and he said, Mac, Mac, this is Mac, Mac, better come in here, get a letter from the dean, Mac, better get in here. And I didn't know what it was about. And so I went in, and he said, Mac, read the letter here. So there's a letter from the dean, Ephraim Friedman, and it said, I've met with Mr. Goulston. We talked about another career, and I'm advising the promotions committee that he be asked to withdraw, which, because, as I said, they were losing money, and I can understand that. And I was at a low point. I come from a family in which, you know, not unusual, where you're only worth what you do in the world. And if you don't do anything in the world, you're not worth anything. So maybe some of you can relate to that. And so... I, I said, what does this mean? And uh, Dean McNary said, Mac, you've been kicked out. 
And I'll try and recreate it because I'm looking right into that green dot. And when he said that, I felt like I'd been shot. I mean, I, I, I just looked down like that. And I'm not a very spiritual person, but I remember something was wet on my cheeks and I thought I was bleeding. I just I looked at my hands like this and it was tears. And uh, and it felt like a gunshot wound, and I know what that feels like because I had a perforated uh, colon about 10 years ago, and I almost died, and it, it, literally it just kicked everything out of me. So I want you to imagine this, and maybe Hacky, you know, you knew him better than I did because you, you know, stayed around there, and I didn't. Um, and so he said to me, so there I am at a low point, thinking that, you know, I'm gone. And he said, Mark, you didn't screw up because you're passing everything, but you are screwed up. But if you got unscrewed up, I think the school would one day be glad they gave you a second chance. So I just started to cry. I mean, this is like, what, what's he saying? I can't do anything. I'm not worth anything. And he, and he said, Mark, and even if you don't get unscrewed up, even if you don't become a doctor, even if you don't do anything the rest of your life, I'd be proud to know you. Because you have this streak of goodness and kindness in you that unfortunately we don't really grade in medical school. And you have no idea how much the world needs that, what you have. And you're not going to know it till you're 35. Uh, and so I just couldn't look at him. I'm, I'm just sobbing. And he said, and then he, and then he said, but you got to make it till 35. And I couldn't look at him because he was just bathing me in all this kindness. And I remember he said, look at me, look at me. He pointed his finger at me. He said, look at me. And I looked up at him. He said, you deserve to be on this planet and you're going to let me help you. And then he set up an appeal with the promotions committee, which had all these doctors in him. And I had to sort of make my case, but I think the promotions committee may have seen something in me that he saw. And I got the second leave of absence. And what I did the second leave of absence is I went to a place called the Menninger Foundation, which was a big psychiatric Institu uh, institution in Topeka, Kansas. It's now, I think, in Houston, Texas. But it was really well known. And I went there because I wanted to get away from the East Coast, where I grew up, Boston. And I didn't want to go to the West Coast, where I went to college during some of the hippie days. I just wanted to get away. And so I went to this place called the Menninger Foundation, a big psychiatric institution. And, and I was able to relate to schizophrenic farm boys. I don't know anything about farming. And we just go on long walks on the grounds of Topeka State Hospital. And, and it was weird, it was weird, because I remember I asked the psychiatrist there, is this legitimate? <laughs> and they said, what? I said, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of walking around. This is not like medical school. I mean, I'm just walking around and going on walks with these schizophrenic farm boys and farm girls and people and 
you know, it's not like anything I've ever done in medical school. And I remember they said, no, it's legitimate. No, psychiatry is legitimate. And you have a knack. And I'd never thought that I had a knack, you know. So I knew in the back of my mind, just finish medical school, which I did. And then I went to UCLA and I trained in psychiatry there. Uh, but because Mac, I think, saved my life, um, I became a suicide expert for 25 years. And I just did with my patients what Mac did with me. I, 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 I saw the goodness in them. Didn't matter to me that they couldn't do anything. I saw that they were worth believing in. I saw, the, saw that they were worth valuing. I saw that they were worth loving. And I and maybe something about that work because none of them killed themselves in 25 years. So I'm out now. I'm trying to take that to the world, but the world is too rushed. You know, because the world has to check boxes and the world has to fill up protocols. And but I'm still trying to get my message out there. So now I hope that was okay, Hacky, because I had no idea what I just said. <laughs> well, you said it eloquently, and uh, you're making me cry a little bit with memories of our hero, Dr. McNary, and uh, who went to bat for uh, for those of us who were uh, having a tough time at different times, and giving people their self-esteem is one of the greatest things you can do for them to make them realize that they are worthy. Um, tell us about wake-up calls. So wake-up calls is, uh, so I have a podcast and, and I interviewed you and it's called My Wake-Up Call. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And I interview influencers. Hacky's an influencer. And he's going to say, I'm no influencer. You know, I'm a former boxer doing, no, come on, you're an influencer. And, and I identify influencers who I think have the power to change the world, and I do everything I can to help them do that. And so I've interviewed Larry King from CNN, a guy named Norman Lear, who changed television. He did some TV shows called All in the Family, The Jeffersons, and uh, other people. Uh, uh, CEO, uh, I interviewed the... Uh, CEO of something called IDEO, a big design company. I interviewed a woman named Esther Wojcicki. She has, how's this for two high achievers? She has two daughters. One of them is the CEO, uh, I believe, of Netflix. And the other one is the CEO of 23andMe, two daughters, a little underachievers there. And, uh, uh, and, and many other people. And they're very personal interviews, kind of like what we're having. It's a conversation. People open up. And, uh, and, and I do it because what I'd love to do, do one day is do some summit where I just bring all my guests together and say, you're going to love each other. <laughs> just listen to each other's podcasts. You're going to love each other. But, you know, that would be way in the future. What do you think is the biggest advice you can give somebody to heed their wake-up call? Well, wake-up calls generally are not pleasant. They're uninvited. Um, and, and I'll tell you what's going on in your brain, what happens. And I would love you to weigh in, although I'm the kind of you know, the psychiatrist, you know, neuroscientist person. The, I think 
what causes a wake-up call is if you can think of your brain being in three parts functionally, an upper thinking brain, a middle emotional brain, and a lower fight or flight brain, the human, the mammalian, and the reptile brain. And if you can think that when they're lined up with what you're doing in life, you have a goal and it's all lined up, you feel great. And sometimes when it's really going well, you, you get into something that we call flow. But then what happens if suddenly that goal you're going towards is ripped away and it never comes back? It's kind of like that goal is like the bracelet holding your brain together. And when you whip away that bracelet, all those three parts of your brain want to fall apart. And it is scary. You get anxious. You get panicky. There's even words, I'm losing my mind. I'm coming unglued. I'm freaked out. I'm out of sorts. And, and so the wake-up call is, and what I would tell you, if you can relate to this and you're watching this or listening to this, is what's happening is your brain will reorganize around the next reality you face but you don't think it'll happen. You think you're just gonna plummet. And the key, and this is the advice that I give people who are going through this, when you have obstacles that shake you totally through your mind and your brain, do not do anything to make it worse for 72 hours. It's not an accident that in psychiatry we have a 72-hour hold. And what do I mean by that? A lot of times when you feel your brain and mind is coming apart, you do desperate things because it's so awful. And you do desperate things that you often have to apologize to others. You get drunk, uh, you binge, you, uh, you, you scream, you throw things, uh, you cut on yourself. You, all of these things are to give you relief. But the problem is, is if you do any of them, uh, you know, when you come back to your senses, you're actually going to miss a breakthrough because you're going to be busy apologizing to other people or apologize or figuring out how to deal with your guilt and shame about what you did. So if I, uh, when I, when I give presentations, one of them is how to go from a breakdown to a breakthrough. When I ask people, how many of you have had breakthroughs in your life? Most of the audience raised their hand. And I say, how many of you had breakdowns prior to the breakthrough? And I would say close to 90% of people raised their hand. And, uh, and how many of you, and raise your hand if the breakdown was pleasant, nobody raises their hand. So what's happening is that reality is taken away. And, and that's why I say if for 72 hours you cannot do anything to make it worse, what will happen is often a breakthrough will occur to you. And it will occur to you because what's happening is if you don't do anything desperate, your mind and brain reorganizes around what the new reality is. So I, could you, I hope your listeners and viewers can follow that. And so a wake-up call is often, you know, connected to a breakdown.
it's almost a segue though to overall to communication both to your with within yourself and to others how does communication step into your calculus well i'll tell you it, it's uh, I'll, I'll share an anecdote with you and, and your listeners and if people are interested i would love to do more of this uh, i think about eight months ago i was part of a panel at hollywood high school and, and again, th th this is not a private school, so it's it's a public school and a lot of disadvantaged kids. And it was a mental health uh, program after school. And there were three other panelists, a life coach, a therapist. And whenever I'm on a panel, I say, go to me last because I improvise. Because I'm pretty good at tuning in to connecting with people. I think I learned that from... Uh, Dean McNary connecting with me and me connecting with suicidal people. And so what happened is uh, this was uh, after school. I think they went there for the free pizza and the free lunch. And the other panelists talked about stress, depression, anxiety. And I could see that the students were getting restless. This happened in the cafeteria and, and we're in four cafeteria chairs and they're in front of us. And so when it was my turn, I looked at the students and I said, I'm going to try something different because I think the other panelists have covered stress, anxiety, depression. And what I shared with them, and this is something you can all check out, I, I said, I, I co-created and moderated a documentary called Stay Alive, an intimate conversation about suicide prevention. And I interviewed this fellow, Kevin Hines, who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. He was a CNN hero a couple months ago. And if you look up Stay Alive video, you can watch it. It's free. And, and what I told the teenagers, I said, I'm going to give you eight words. And what I'd like you to do is imagine the worst you can feel right now. And I'm going to share eight words with you. And then I'm going to ask each of you to say the word that most connects to when you're feeling awful. And so here are the eight words. And when I said it, I changed my tone from the tone I'm using with you now into an inviting kind of uh, uh, tone. And I said, here are the eight words. Uh, anxious, depressed, afraid, angry, ashamed, alone, lonely, tired. And so one by one, I want you to picture this, they each said the word. And there were some facilitators behind them, and afterwards they said, it was amazing what happened to all those students, because he was watching them from their backs. He said when they were on the spot to come up with the word, they were a little uptight, but then when they said the word, it's like they exhaled alone, afraid. Uh, he said it was unbelievable. They just got a little uptight being on the spot and then they relaxed because they connected emotionally with that feeling and me and the community. And I asked them, how did that feel? And they all said, it felt great. I said, well, why? And they said, I felt less alone. Uh, I felt relief. I felt calmer. 
I said, did you judge anyone when they picked a word? You know, I mean, they're, they're saying things that are kind of tough words. And everyone said, no, no, I felt closer to them. And then I gave them a homework assignment. I said, as teenagers, there's four emotions that you live with. Excitement, boredom, fear, and anger. That's your life. Excitement, boredom, fear, and anger. I want you to write down those eight words. And when you're trying to reach a person, one of your friends, you know, who's stuck, you can say, uh, uh, and they may not want to talk about it. I'm fine. And so if you're a parent listening in, you can try this with your teenager or young adult that you're worried with, e even your spouse. And even if someone says, I'm fine, what she says, yeah, I know you're fine. Eight words. And they're going to say, what? Yeah, I know you're fine. Eight words. They're going to say, what? Say, I'm going to run eight words by you. Just pick one. And then you say the eight words. And when I did it with Kevin Hines in the documentary, and when I've done this with people who are depressed or suicidal, I, and I say, pick one, I think you know the response. And this is what Kevin did in the documentary. He smiled and he cocked his head and he said, all of them. And he felt relief. And I said, good, pick one. So I don't know if you're tracking with this hacky, but it's a way of going in giving people the word to say and feel with you, and then you take it in so they feel less alone. When And this is what's happening inside their brain. When people are stressed out, they have high cortisol. And what happens with high cortisol, it stimulates something in our middle brain called an amygdala. And it triggers the amygdala to shunt the blood away from our upper thinking brain to our lower survival brain, and that's called an amygdala hijack. And so high stress equals high cortisol equals amygdala hijack equals you can't think. And what people don't know, and you can check this up online, oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone, uh, uh, pitocin's another word, it's what, what causes mothers to bond to their infants even when their infants are yelling 24-7. And oxytocin, uh, is kind of the antidote to high cortisol. And so uh, so what happened with these kids is they felt, uh, they remembered an awful time, highly stressed out, and then they expressed what they felt. Uh, they were accepted by everybody, accepted by me, understood. They weren't lectured. They weren't given advice or solutions. Their oxytocin went up through the roof their cortisol went down, and when, and when oxytocin goes up, the amygdala calms down, and the blood flow goes from our lower brain to our upper brain, and so we can think again, and that's when you can have a conversation with people. And you can't get any of that alone. That's right. In, in fact, something I showed Hacky earlier, and I'm going to show all of you now, is I often give trainings on how to relieve stress. And it's interesting, when I finished med school, took six years, and I, I wasn't a writer, you know, I was a medical student, doctor. And when I made it through after six years, and I can't and I can't take you over to my little bookshelf here, I took out a little crappy journal. I didn't know I was gonna write or keep a journal. And this was my first entry when I finally graduated. I wrote down 
I can't believe I got through. They have graduated a crazy person. And, and if you look at this, I've been, so that was 1976. This is an old journal. This is volume 248. I have 45,000 pages. Wow. And there's our hero, Dr. William F. McNary, too. And Look here's, at that journal. And, yeah, and this is a stress response toolkit. So what happens is uh, if you're going through something upsetting, picture a hero. It, 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 could be a, it could be a book you read. It could be uh, a living or, or deceased relative. It could be anyone. Uh, if you're a parent, it could be your young child looking up to you, trusting you. It could be anything. But imagine whoever that person is talking you through it. And then so when you're upset, those are the steps. Imagine they're saying to you, uh, you can do this. You put down the day and time of whatever you were upset about. And then you write in what just happened. And you write a couple sentences. What did you think? What did you feel? What did it make you want to do? That's the, that's the, well, what does it make you want to do? That, that's the key part because that's your impulse. So your impulse might be what it makes me want to do is just give up. What it makes me want to do is go out and get drunk. Uh, and so imagine that person then saying to you, breathe. What would be a better thing to do? Why that? So this has really helped me uh, because I, starting with Dr. Minieri, I have seven dead mentors, and and I, I'm I'm much harder on myself than on other people, and so uh, often when you know you know like I could beat up on myself, I could say, Mark, you didn't let Hacky talk at all during this whole podcast. <laughs> So I could beat up on myself and, you know, and my, and I could reach out to, to, I reach out to Mac because we both knew him and he'd say, Mac, 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 you know, you know take a deep breath already, Mac, you know, I, hack, he didn't fall asleep. He wasn't texting during the whole thing, Mac, you know, so it was, so there must've been something in there that was, you know, kind of useful or relevant, Mac. So just put a sock in it, will you? You know, I think you did okay. And then what I do and what Hacky's doing now is I just miss the guy. I just think about how grateful I am that he saved my life and gave me a direction, and I might not be here. And as I start to feel how grateful I am to him, I, I don't even remember what I was beating myself up about. And you can use that too if you're listening to this or watching this. You can create a stress a stress response uh, journal, and I, I'd suggest you give it a try. What great, great advice. Great advice. I feel better already. I feel better already. Um, I can't thank you enough for being with us today, Mark. This is just great. Where can our audience learn more about you and more about what you've spoken about today? Well, if you do, if you, you can find me on LinkedIn, because uh, what I'm currently doing, uh, it, my latest profile, and it might I'm, I might not change it before this goes up, but what I really do is I'm an advisor to global influencers. So 
at this stage of my life, I'm reaching out to people, top people, top companies, uh, and I'm reaching out to them to uh, because I think they can change the world, and I'm doing my best to make sure they change the world for the better. And so if you go to LinkedIn, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff. I have a website at markgoulston.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N.com. And I, I hope you'll check out my wake-up call. That's the podcast. And, uh, and Hacky's interview will go up shortly. And, and if, you do a, if you do a Google search on me, you'll find all kinds of other stuff. But uh, I don't even know what's up there. But, uh, uh, but most of it's okay. And what about the books? The books go to Amazon.com. Yeah, I'll show you a couple. This was the first book I ever wrote called Get Out of Your Own Way. It became a bestseller, and it actually found its way into prisons and jails. So I did a podcast that ended a year ago called Prison Letters because I got I've been getting prison letters from inmates who found this book in prisons and jails for 22 years. And I read the letters. You can still find it. Prison Letters with Dr. Mark Goulston. I read their letters. And it's not a conversation because they're in prison or jail. And I try to drill down into their mind. And more recently, oh, and then, then another book I wrote was Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder for Dummies. So I know a little bit about trauma. And, uh, uh, but the book that I'm, I'm most known for is this one called Just Listen. And I'm humbled by it because it became the top book on listening in the world. It's in 23 languages. I've spoken in Moscow twice, uh, recently a couple months ago with a Nobel Prize winner because it's, uh, uh, I have four bestsellers in the Russian editions and one of them was Just Listen. So th that's more than enough you need to know about me. And we haven't even scratched the surface but we're going to have you back very soon because like you got a lot more stuff going on. Dr. Mark Goulston, keep up the great work. And thank you so much for being here. You know, Mac would be proud of both of us. That right. means a lot. It does. Thank you so much. Thank you. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.